personal identity. How important it is today. In fact, we have a variety of ways in which we try to ensure our personal identity. If you plan to travel anywhere, one of the things you have to have is a picture ID. And that picture ID is scrutinized to determine whether or not the holder of that picture ID is in fact the one who is represented on it. Or whether or not that ID has been flagged as someone for whom others need to be concerned. When you get online, when you do your banking, so many different ways in which you have to show your identity, you have to affirm your identity to be sure that you have the right of being at that website or conducting business or banking as it may be. Various chips that are on our uh, credit cards. Some now getting implanted in individuals. Also the fact that we have to have passwords. We have to keep changing those passwords. To be sure it's not just a computer or someone trying to hack into our information. And then fingerprinting. How important it is to be sure that it is really you who is representing uh, the endeavor or taking part in it. But you know there's other ways we show our identity. It has nothing to do with our picture IDs, our passports, our passwords, little chips, microchips that either implanted or on cards. But each and every day, we show who we are. Our identity is well known. An old saying went, went as follows, be who you are and not who you ain't, for if you ain't who you are, you are who you ain't. Just think on that for a moment. And the point is, you're really showing who you are. Each and every day. And that's what Solomon is indicating here in Ecclesiastes. And how important it is for us to recognize our own identity and what is being demonstrated, as well as being able to perceive the true identity of individuals around us. Now we know that the book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon as he was directed by the Lord to provide individuals with an understanding, as we have said before, about meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life. But as we really look at the book of Ecclesiastes as a book of wisdom, it is designed for your benefit and for my benefit to have a good life. To have what's beneficial in life. To be sure we avoid pouring all of our energies into that which ultimately can't satisfy and what Solomon tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes is that every endeavor and pursuit of man, when it's focused on the, attempt, on the temporal, is going to let them down. And that's Ecclesiastes chapters 1 through 6. And in chapters 7 through 12, Solomon is making deductions from the truth that while the temporal things let you down, the real important focus in life is not on the temporal. But if you want the good life, if you want meaning and purpose in life, if you want fulfillment in life, your life needs to be built upon the Lord Himself. 
And that shouldn't surprise us because what is at God's right hand in addition to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Pleasures forevermore. And if you are an individual that focuses your life on God, you are really finding ultimately what is the beneficial, what is the purpose and meaning and satisfaction in life, you're finding the good life. Now in the section that is before us, Solomon is making statements of wisdom. And he is doing it in a manner in which he wants us to understand that one of the most important possessions for any one of us is to have wisdom. We know that in the book of Proverbs, and Solomon has already made mention of that, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That God is really the source of what is essential for us to have the skill to live life in the way that it is for our best good, for the benefit of those around us, as it all brings glory and honor to God. Now notice how Solomon brings this out and reminds us of why it is so important for us to have wisdom in life. I want to read in verse 16 of chapter 9 where Solomon said, So I said, wisdom is better than strength. Or down in verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. So a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right. But a foolish man's heart directs him to the left. Even when a fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking. And he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. He is showing his real identity. And so for each one of us, our identity is showing. Much more than picture IDs. Much more than microchips. Much more than fingerprints. We are demonstrating who we are. For if we remember, be what you are and not what you ain't. For if you ain't what you are, you are what you ain't. You're showing your identity. And so he says, if a ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. Now there is an evil I have seen under the sun like an error that goes forth from a, from a ruler. Folly is said in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. And I have seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves in the, uh, on the land. Now the point Solomon is making in all of this is, you and I need to recognize the supreme value and essential nature of having wisdom. Because we live in a difficult world. And it doesn't take much to throw things out of order. Like a dead fly that makes a perfumer's oil stink. So a little folly can destroy 
wisdom, and honor. We can become complacent. We can begin to think that, you know, we have it all together. And what happens is we get blindsided in life. Circumstances come that we're not anticipating or we're not ready for. And in this section, Solomon says, when you look at the world order, when you look at the events that happen, you find people are not making the wisest of decisions. And there are disastrous results from meaningless or seemingly insignificant decisions that impact the lives of others. Like an error that goes forth from a ruler. Like the upside down nature of the world in which we live, where slaves are riding on horses and those of power and prestige are walking like servants. That those who don't really have the capability of making the decisions for the common good of those they rule over are sitting in high places, while others who have that potential are being ignored are in lowly places. So what is he saying to us? You need to recognize how vigilant you need to be. Because just a little bit of folly, what may appear to be insignificant, will have a tremendous impact. Life is difficult, and wisdom is absolutely essential. And while things may appear to be insignificant, they have a profound and detrimental impact. In verse 2, as we were looking at last time, Solomon makes this contrast. That a wise man's heart directs him to the right. The decisions he makes are to the place of honor and power, where the fool's heart directs him to the left. That is, to that which is contrary to what is for one's well-being. And even when a fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. Now we had looked at the realization that there is the spiritual and the ultimate sense of talking about who are the wise and who are the foolish. And whether we like it or not, from the scriptural standpoint, the believer is the wise individual and the non-believer is the foolish individual. Because when we look at the idea of wisdom from that standpoint, it is the ability to take into account the reality of the unseen spiritual dimension the recognition of God and His involvement in all that is going on in life. But what is true of the fool? Well, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And he either denies God or manufactures a God of his own making, and he's very sincere in thinking, well, this is what will put life together and give order to it. In the ultimate sense, only the Individual who has a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ is a wise individual. And everyone else that seeks to find significance and meaning in religion or in non-religion, but is not trusting the Lord Jesus Christ from a biblical standpoint, 
is in the category of being a fool. In a relative sense, we understand that some people have greater insight and ability to make decisions that are for their best good and the good of those around them. We know that part of that has to do with the mental capabilities that God gave the individuals. We also know that we gain experience and learn lessons that give us a criteria to make the decisions that sometimes young people don't have. And so there's a relative sense of being wise or foolish in the decisions that are made. In this regard, the wise individual who's making the decisions to the right is the one that has the practical insight into the nature of things that recognizes and adjusts to the higher laws so that the decisions being made prove to be successful and avoid failure. Where folly, from the biblical sense, could be stated in the simple phrase, it is wrong-headedness. It is not possessing the insight to look through the problem or the circumstance and make the decision that avoids failure and is for one's best good. As different individuals commentating, making their commentary on this book and passage would say, folly rejects or disregards the revealed moral and spiritual order so as to deny or disregard God and make decisions that are against one's best interest. The fool. And so he says, even when the fool walks by the road, this is something that you can count on. In other words, your identity is showing as you're out in the world as you're conducting your daily affairs, it becomes apparent as to the true nature of your character, whether you're a wise individual or a foolish individual. Now, as we look at this concept, it is indicating to us you can't hide who you are. Now, there are times when non-believers can look very much like believers. Isn't that right? Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares. We have it backwards. I fear that often in popular Christianity, our theological perspective is very foolish. Because we believe that wheat, that is genuine believers can look a lot like tares. In other words, no spiritual difference in the person's life. On the authority of God's Word, if anyone, not just some, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old has passed away. In other words, he is not what he used to be. The old has passed away, and all things are becoming new. 
The reality is there are times in which a tear, a weed in the field, can look a lot like wheat. And so there are times in which the non-believer can appear to be a genuine believer. But the reality is that eventually the individual shows his identity. Even the fool, when he walks by the way, what's he talking about? Your involvement in the affairs of this world, your daily life, how you conduct yourself, begins to demonstrate who and what you really are. And what does Solomon say is manifested about the fool? It shows that he lacks sense. He doesn't have the capability of making the kind of decisions that are for both his temporal and eternal good. No matter how successful the individual may be in his business or personal affairs. Now Solomon is saying that the fool begins to demonstrate his true character in the way he conducts his life. What is it that's going to be evident in that individual? And I've gone back to the book of Proverbs and just taken a couple little statements that Solomon makes about the fool for us to better understand the character of this individual. If you go with me to Proverbs chapter 12, and we're going to start in the earlier chapter so you're not flipping back and forth. So other than sequentially according to chapter designations, I don't have another reason why I've put them in this order. But notice over in Proverbs chapter 12 and in verse 15, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. In other words, you can't tell him anything. He's the individual that thinks he is the standard of, he's the one that knows, and anyone else who tries to tell him something, in his eyes, is the one that's foolish. He doesn't have a better way. And so basically, this is the individual that sets himself up as the authority for what is right and what's needful. But the wise individual has more of a humble heart and can heed the counsel and the direction of others. An offshoot of all of this is, what happens if you give correction to an individual that is a fool? Gets upset. Who do you think you are to tell me I'm not doing what's right? Second, if you go with me to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14, verses, verse 29. He who is slow to anger is, has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. The fool is an individual that doesn't control his inner spirit. I mean, examples would be road rage. Aggressive natures towards others. The fact that you got a short fuse. That when you're confronted with a difficult circumstance, instead of keeping your composure, you lose your cool. The quick-tempered individual. The one that's hasty to get angry. That flies off the handle at every circumstance 
that confronts him is the individual that chose folly. Chapter 15, verse 5. It says the fool rejects his father's discipline, but he regards reproof as prudent. It's not just instruction, but this is what I was alluding to earlier. Doesn't like to be corrected. I mean, after all, if I'm the individual that knows what's right and wrong, and in my own heart I've established myself as the authority, and don't think it's always blatant. We all have a propensity to do that. The way we do things is the right way to do them, isn't it? The way I do them, the way my family does them, is the standard that everybody else ought to do them at. We all make those determinations as we look at other people, but when we have that humble heart, we begin to recognize, well, my way may not always be the best way. But when the individual is corrected for doing what is wrong, instead of submitting to the correction, instead of taking it appropriately, the back and neck stiffen. And the individual does not want the reproof. Who are they to dare tell me that what I'm doing is not right? All right, if you go over to chapter 18, verse 6. A fool's lips spread strife. His mouth calls for blows. His mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare of his soul. That shouldn't surprise us because Jesus is the one that said what fills a man's heart is what? What comes out of his mouth. And that's what condemns the individual. And the fool is the individual who instead of Speaking the words that unify, speaking the words that bring peace and solution, the fool is the individual that stirs up strife and contention, that causes people to be at blows one against the other. Then over in Proverbs chapter 26. In Proverbs 26, and in verse 11. Like a dog that returns to its vomit. Like a dog that returns to its vomit. So a fool repeats his folly. In other words, the individual persists in what is detrimental and personally destructive rather than that which is for his or her well-being. We have seen it time and time again. Sometimes, sadly, it's even in our own home. You know, and we yearn to see offspring who embrace what is for their good and for their benefit, but they keep pursuing what is to their detriment. Even as the fool walks along the way, 
identity is showing. He demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. He lacks sense. Jesus said it like this. Every tree is known how? By its fruit. You understand that? Now mankind in his evil condition has one term that characterizes him from the lips of Christ. Hypocrite. See, man in his ignorance says, I don't want to be part of the church because they're full of hypocrites. The reality of the world is hypocritical. We all put on the mask and the facade so that when something evil happens, all of our neighbors say, I would have never thought of it of that individual. They're such a loving, kind, generous, compassionate, good individual. How many good people are there in this world? You don't believe that, do you? There is none good. No, not one. But everybody puts on the mask, the facade, the outward exterior to act as if we are something beneficial. But the bottom line is, eventually, as God pulls His hand of common grace back, the individual's true identity begins to show. And so even a fool, when he walks by the way, is lacking sense, and he demonstrates to everyone what he really is. The reality is, more than a picture ID, more than your fingerprint, every tree is known by its fruit. You show your identity by the way you live your life and what is manifested in your character. So are you an individual that takes correction? Are you an individual that flies off the handle at the slightest little provocation? Are you an individual that can't control your inner spirit? Are you an individual that is the know-it-all? That you're the authority and you expect others to agree with you? Are you the individual that causes strife and discord among people? Or are you the individual with a humble heart? Is learning from God ways to say things? that unify people and put down anger? Are you the individual that can take correction, that can take um, reproof in real humility because you know you're not yet perfect? You show your identity. And the need for that wisdom from God is because you and I are going to face so many difficulties in life that are difficult for us to bear. And so Solomon says, if the ruler's temper rises against you, so he's looking at a circumstance, a possibility, that the person who has authority over you is upset with you. How is it you're to handle it? Now it could be that the individual over you has a just reason to be upset with you. 
But it also could be that the individual is making foolish decisions because of all the pressure that's upon them, or maybe is jealous because of how capable you are. And so accusations are made. His spirit and his anger is pointed to you. How are you to handle it? Notice what he says. He says, don't abandon your position. Now, some times you can think he said he could be saying, don't resign. Don't cave in just because the ruler is angry over you. But more than that, what he's saying is, keep your cool. Don't lose your composure. You know why? Because it is a soft answer that turns away anger. In other words, the individual has the ability to wisely respond to the circumstance so that the anger is dissipated and as an individual, I receive what is for my best good. Hold your position. Don't give in. Maintain your composure. Because composure allays great offenses. It might be because I have to swallow my pride and acknowledge I did what's wrong, even if the way I'm being approached is incorrect. On the other hand, I may have been misunderstood or even falsely accused. But blowing up and responding in anger to the individual will not correct the situation. The wise individual can commit his way to the Lord and rest in the Lord and respond with composure instead of as typically would happen. So what are we learning in all of this? There's a lot of difficulties we're going to face in life. And in this world, there's going to be a number of circumstances that we will find across our path that are because of small, little, almost seemingly insignificant decisions or circumstances that have profound and detrimental consequences. And how we handle them shows who we really are. Be what you are and not what you ain't. For if you ain't what you are, you are what you ain't. More important than your picture ID, more important than fingerprints, is how we go through life and demonstrate to others our true spiritual condition as children of God that we respond differently than those of the world and especially when we're faced with the injustices, the inequities, the difficult circumstances of life.
Let's pray.